Welcome to Living With, a podcast about the stories and people behind Health Union. Health Union integrates the power of human connection and technology, uniting people in the shared experiences of life with chronic health conditions. I'm Emily Downward. Migraine.com was the first health ecosystem launched by Health Union in 2010. Carrie was one of the first patient advocates to write for the site, sharing her experiences and perspective on what it's like to live with chronic migraine. I'm Carrie Smyers. I write for Migraine.com. Can you tell me about when you first started experiencing migraine? That's such a hard question. Um, So I've had chronic migraine since I was 11. I had what I thought of as bad headaches before then. Um, The first one I really remember was fifth grade. My my teacher had uh, rose-scented potpourri in the workroom, and I was remember sitting in class with just this raging headache and had no idea what it was, but it was definitely from the, the potpourri. So now rose is one of those smells that I smell, and it's like, oh, God, get away. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure that the migraine attack started before I was 11, but that's, that's kind of the, the notable turning point when they became chronic. And you said you probably had bad headaches before then. How would you describe the difference between a headache and a migraine? Um, so, well, I say bad headaches because I didn't have a diagnosis, but it, it probably was migraine. It was just I only thought of it as a, a bad headache. Okay. Um, and so I don't, I don't think I personally know the difference between a bad headache and a migraine as far as the pain levels go um, because – all of my head pain is on the migraine continuum. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that a migraine attack is accompanied by um, fatigue and brain fog. I get pain, ear pain, like I have an earache. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have something in my, my eye, like my contact is torn. Um, my teeth get sensitive. I have to pee a lot. Um, sometimes I get night sweats. I get nightmares. Like all these kind of random weird things um, that migraine is so much more than just the head pain part. How were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed when I was about 25. I'm trying to remember. So my, I, I saw doctors a lot when I was a kid. I was missing a lot of school when I had chronic migraine, but I don't have, this was the nineties. I didn't have, or I guess the late eighties and the nineties. I didn't have the classic signs. I didn't, it's not one-sided pain. It's on both sides. I um, don't vomit. I don't get a visual aura. And so those were the things that doctors were looking for back then. And so they didn't know that I had migraine. And then um, my husband has migraine that looks like what you'd see in the textbook. One-sided pain, vomiting, visual aura. And so he was diagnosed right after his first migraine attack. Um, and so... Like I was, by then I was living with him and he knew he could tell something was wrong and he kind of encouraged me to go to the doctor and it was finally, so there was, there was a period where I was finishing up my master's degree and I woke up about four hours after I went to bed every night for four months with my head just screaming. And I finally, like so many people with migraine, finally thought, what if I have a brain tumor? What if I have something that's going to kill me? And so I started seeing the doctors, seeing doctors after that. And it took a few months. And like my, my primary care physician was responsive, but didn't know what to do. 
he um, ultimately re- referred me to a pain specialist who I didn't see because she didn't take insurance, and I'm actually really glad about that. I wound up seeing a neurologist instead, and within six months of um, first seeing a doctor for migraine, well, like, seeing a doctor who took migraine seriously. Again, I was 25. This had been going on for 14 years. Um, So within about six months, I was referred to the headache clinic at um, the Mayo Clinic. And so I actually got an active diagnosis, an accurate diagnosis. I was diagnosed with migraine, and I didn't believe it because I knew what my husband's migraine attacks looked like, and mine didn't look like that. Oh, wow. I just had headaches all the time. Um, so it took a few years for me to really understand that I had migraine and this is, it looks different for different people and this is what it looks like for me. How would you say your daily life is affected by your condition? I am constantly, almost constantly aware of migraine, even like these, the last year or two, they've been a lot, I I have a treatment that's fairly effective. And so they've been, it's not that I spend every day laid up with a migraine attack like I did for years, um, but I think about it all the time. I get an attack every time I eat, and so I have to think about it with every meal, and I'm always thinking about, well, if I go, let's say I need to run errands, but um, is there going to be an odor at that place that's going to trigger a migraine, and do I need to wear a face mask, or should I skip it, or if I have plans with a friend, maybe I'm going to put the errands off until the next day, just in case it triggers a migraine. So it's this constant negotiation. And Mm -hmm. I'm pretty much always aware of migraine. How did you figure out what triggers your migraines? I figured out my migraine triggers with a lot, a lot of trial and error and a lot of mistakes, a lot of false attributions, which happens a lot with migraines. Somebody will think, oh, well, chocolate is a classic example. I ate chocolate, a migraine attack followed, therefore chocolate is a trigger. Um, Well, recent research shows that actually chocolate is probably not a trigger. It's something that people crave in the early stages of a migraine attack. Oh, wow. Yeah, before they they even have symptoms that they're aware of. Uh, Yeah, so it, it may be a trigger for some people, but likely that's not actually what's going on. And so having, having eating anything be a migraine trigger is really weird. And it was a long, complicated process. I was on restricted diets for about probably 15 years and five years of super restricted diets. Um, like there was a period where I, I drank feeding tube formula, which is completely vile. Um, but I didn't have any migraine attacks when I did it. And so I did it for as long as I could. And another where I only had like four food, I think I ate chicken, rice, I can't remember what else now, but I think I had four or five foods for about six months. I wound up malnourished and had all sorts of problems from that. But I wanted so desperately to avoid the migraine attacks that I was willing to do that. Um, So five years of these restricted diets. And then it just, like I I would restrict a diet, my diet, and I would think, okay, maybe I'm doing better. And then I'd realize, no, actually they're, the attacks are just as bad as they were. And it, I don't really know when it dawned on me that eating was the trigger, not specific foods. Um, but it was a long process of trial and error. But eating's not your only trigger. No. Um, lights are a trigger and odors are... I would say eating is my... I mean, eating is obviously my worst trigger and likely because it's one I can't avoid. Um, and then odors are really bad as well. And light... I don't 
I don't know how bad of a trigger light is for me. It's definitely an, an obvious noticeable trigger. Uh, sounds like all three of those things are difficult to avoid. I mean, you need to have food to live. Light is around us in, in artificial or natural all the time. And smells are around all the time. That how, yeah. <laughs> how, do you, how do you cope with it? Um, so smells are obviously hard to avoid. I don't use any scented products in my house. Um, I, the only scented product in my house is my husband's deodorant. And I have to, I smell test all of it. And like we do all these trials. He just had to switch deodorants. And it was this long ordeal of figuring out one that I could handle. Um, but otherwise, no other sense. If I'm traveling, I have to call the hotel or talk to the Airbnb host and ask them not to use any scents. Yeah, so I just, I do everything I can to avoid them in, when I, when I have control. Um, mostly I do okay, like at the grocery store, but the cinnamon scented pine cones at, at basically September through December are horrible. So I started wearing a charcoal face mask. Hmm. Um, it's made by 3M and it looks like a, you know, just like an air filter mask, but it's black because it has charcoal and it filters out the odors. So I look ridiculous and I don't care because I can actually run errands and not get sick. So it's worth it. Yeah. And I deal with lights by wearing Therospecs, which are FL41 um, migraine glasses. And so they filter out the wavelengths of light that are that research has shown to be most problematic for people with migraine. How did you find a treatment approach that works for you? Lots of trial and error. And I've tried, I've I've lost count, but more than four different four four dozen different medications, supplements, you know, massage, acupuncture, acupressure, energy healing. Uh, traditional Chinese medicine. I drank um, this tea that looked like a scoop from the forest floor, had like twigs and leaves, and it was absolutely vile. Like, my philosophy is if it's not going to hurt me, I'll try it. And there are times when something might hurt me and I try it anyway. When um, you're in that much pain, you'll, right. you'll try anything to get out of it. Absolutely. And so I, I think Finding, well, oh, and weather. We were talking about triggers. Another, weather is another major trigger for me, uh, cloudy weather. And so um, I moved back to Arizona, which is where I'm from, and it's mostly not cloudy, so that's good. Um, and that actually was kind of, that was one of the first pieces. It was like I needed incremental improvements, uh, mm-hmm. or that, that getting the first incremental improvements gave me enough energy to keep seeking more improvements. So uh, first I started the Nuva Ring. Uh, continuously, so that's hormonal birth control, but it's um, it's a vaginal ring, and so it's a steady release of hormones rather than the pill. The, your if you take it, your the amount of hormones in your system fluctuates throughout the day, and the Nuva Ring is a steady dose. So I started that, and then um, moved to Arizona. So those two things were like the foundational pieces that made me a little more functional. And then I found that magnesium, high dose magnesium, was helpful. And then I started ciproheptadine. And this is over a few years. Um, and, you know, just I kept trying medications and most of them didn't work. But I just kept trying. Yeah. And uh, the treatment that's working for me now is the Gamma Core, which is a vagus nerve stimulator. So the vagus nerve is the nerve that connects the brain to the stomach. And I got it in my head. If eating anything is a migraine trigger, then maybe there's something in that connection that's the problem. 
Um, so I, the Gamma Core wasn't available in the U.S. then. So I went to Canada and I got it prescribed in Canada. And so I've been using it for just over two years now, and it definitely makes it. It's the most effective treatment I've ever tried. And it's approved in the U.S. now. Yes. So it was approved in um, January 2018, and uh, and it's available. If someone listening to this has a friend or family member who has migraine, what advice would you give them on how they can offer support? I think the best way to offer support for migraine is to listen, not be judgmental, and not try to fix it, um, and, unless the person asks for help. Um, but often people give suggestions like, um, this worked for my aunt's brother-in-law's sister or, you know, some, some random relation, or have you tried this thing that I heard about in the news or, um, you know, people tend to give, people try to fix it. And most of the time, um, when somebody's talking about what they're going through, they don't need somebody else to fix it. They just need somebody to understand. So I think, uh, listen and be understanding is the best advice I can give. What's the one thing that having migraine has taught you about yourself? I, I can't come up with just one thing that migraine has taught me because it has really taught me a lot. Um, I think I, I already knew this to an extent, but it's made it very clear that I am determined like nobody's business. Um, if I, if I want something, I am going to work my tail off to get it. And that's what I've been doing with trying to regain my health. I just, it's my, I feel like it's my singular focus and I just work and work and work at it. That's one thing. That's one thing. <laughs> Would you like some more things? Yeah, you said that you couldn't choose just one thing. Um, <laughs> gosh. I think it's taught me to relate to other people a lot better. Like I was talking about with the understanding and, and not offering advice and just listening. Um, and recognizing that everybody is going through something hard. Um, you, even the people who look fabulous on the surface, probably especially the people who look fabulous on the surface, um, there's always something going on. And um, so to be compassionate and understanding of where other people are coming from and that um, I, it's also, migraine has also taught me about, it's taught me lessons about positivity, which um, s sounds on the surface, I think like something different than what I mean, which is that like people talk about with, with migraine or any other chronic illness to stay, stay positive. And, um, I used to do that and always like anytime something was hard, I would put a silver lining on it. And all I did was in invalidate my own experience. I never actually got to process the real grief and pain and sorrow that I was feeling from how much migraine had changed my life. So, I am a positive person and I'm upbeat and generally I do have a positive outlook and sometimes I just need to cry and scream and talk about how much this sucks. And I learned to allow myself to do that and it's been a huge, huge help both in dealing with migraine and just anything that life throws at me. That was one of your articles that I read that I really enjoyed too. Oh. So. As you've lived with migraine for most of your life, how has your perspective changed over the years? I think there's a pretty natural progression. I ha have a friend who's, who's currently going from having about one attack a week to pretty severe frequent, uh, multiple attacks every week. And it's interesting to see, like I, I see so much of my own experience in hers. Um, in some ways I feel like there's a natural progression of 
um, you first start getting sick and you try to push through or you just try to like manage all the symptoms and still live your life. And then hopefully you find an effective treatment and that's where you can stop. Um, stop being so concerned about it. But, um, and then there's like, after you live with it for a while, you, I, I got to a point where I had to accept, like I, I spent, Probably the first mm, five five years after I was diagnosed, just thinking about how I was going to get better and then and get on with my life, um, and and you know it, it, the the whole focus was getting rid of migraine or at least managing the migraine attacks enough that I could go back to work and I could I could function in exactly how I imagined my life was going to be. And that didn't work for me. And so I had to switch to this idea of learning how to live a good life with migraine, not, not waiting until my life was migraine-free to be better, to be good. I had to figure out how to make it good even with migraine. And sometimes people take that as giving up. But really, it was more like incorporating it into my life and still trying to work to get better. And I will continue to try to work to get better until I have no more migraine attacks. Um, but I'm going to live as well as I possibly can while I'm, while I'm in the process of that. And I don't, so I don't know if I ever called myself a migraine sufferer. I probably did. That was, I mean, that, that's the common language. Um, but in, so in 2004, I had had, so I had to, I had to quit working for migraine and because of migraine in 2003, I had an occipital nerve stimulator implanted at the end of 2003 that didn't work. And so I remember it was January, February, 2004, and I couldn't sleep, had a terrible migraine. I was on my computer, uh, in the middle of the night looking at message boards on migraine. And there was this article shared, it was in Oprah magazine. It was from a woman with cluster headache and migraine. And she talked about how um, how she didn't see herself as a sufferer, that she saw herself that the the word sufferer made her feel disempowered, mm-hmm. and she saw herself as somebody who was living as well as possible and was empowered, and that sufferer made her feel like a victim. And when I read that article, I got so angry. Um, I just I. I thought, oh, she she doesn't know what this is like. I, I'm sure that's exactly what I thought. She she doesn't have pain as bad as I do. She can't know. And then jump forward 10 years, and I wrote an article for Migraine.com that was how I'm not a sufferer and that I'm not a victim. And some readers got really angry reading it. And I realized that their reaction was parallel to mine from 10 years before. And that I had, in those 10 years gone through the process of, of just changing how I viewed migraine and how I saw its role in my life and how I saw my role dealing with it. Um, and so I stopped, I don't know when I stopped calling myself a sufferer, but, um, yeah, that just didn't, didn't feel like it fit. Tell me about your experience with health union and migraine.com. So I've been writing for migraine.com since 2011. Um, 
I was, I was in the first batch of, of uh, contributors for Migraine.com, and it's been a great experience. Um, working with Health Union is fantastic. The company is so supportive. And actually, I started, I think I started when it was just three full-time employees, wow. um, Tim, Olivier, and Amrita. Yeah. Blake might have been there, too. And so it's been, so uh, people are really supportive, and it's been great to see the company grow and add, keep adding more people who are just enthusiastic and kind and compassionate. And it's, it's like, where do you find all of these wonderful people? Um, it's, a, it's an amazing group that I'm so proud to be part of. And how do you use Migraine.com? That's a good question. I use Migraine.com for, obviously, my own articles go up there. Um, but I look for experiences. It's generally in my advocacy work for other, with other people. If somebody asks me a question, I almost always go to migraine.com to try to, to find the answer. And I love to see how different people write about the same kinds of topics. And so I, I read about that. It's, it's always my, my go-to resource whenever somebody asks for, for help with migraine. Um, I'm at a, at a place in my own treatment that I'm not really asking community questions. So I'm, I have moderated on the boards, but I are on the forums, but I, I don't, um, I don't visit them personally. What impact has being a part of migraine.com had on you? I'm really proud to be part of migraine.com. Um, when I'm at conferences, I have my own blog that I started in 2005. I, and part of Therospecs, I, I do all these other things, but when I'm at conferences, migraine.com is usually the first thing I mention. So if I'm talking about my writing, I say I write for migraine.com, and I also have my own blog. Um, I'm just, I'm really proud to be part of this group of people who are insightful and kind and supportive of, and, and advocating and trying to help um, everybody with migraine. And not just like in, in the one-on-one, obviously, but also sort of the, the more global, um, global way of advocating for migraine and raising awareness. I'd like to thank Carrie Smyers for coming to my home studio and sharing her experiences. To read Carrie's articles and join the conversation, visit migraine.com. You can find more health communities at health-union.com. Thank you for listening to Living With. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.